0: I'm Amy Lattimore. And I'm Brian. We are co-founders of With Wellness, a wellness club for employees, where our mission is to create space for you to learn to care for yourself and those you love. Welcome to the Priorities Podcast. In a world filled with ongoing, high stress, and tough demands, how do we begin to prioritize? I mean, like, for real, prioritize who and what matters most.
1: Throughout this podcast, we'll speak to everyone from expert practitioners and academics to everyday moms and dads. During each conversation, we'll look for observations, learnings, and insights to help us all to prioritize and deprioritize when and where we need to. And while we can't prioritize for each other, we can prioritize with each other. So, with that, let's get into this episode.
0: On today's episode, we speak with parent and teacher coach, Mr. Chaz, about breaking generational cycles, how to truly listen to and see your children, and what it means to rebuild our toolbox so we can parent differently. Let's get into it. So much has transpired over the past couple years, given the pandemic, Mm -hmm. that has given so many people a newfound relationship with their family members uh, and their children. Yeah.
2: That's
0: one way to put it. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> we've been, you know, since we, you know, our parents call us the the internet internet parents because we've been like googling everything and like trying to soak up all of the parental advice and we've tapped into a lot of it. But not many people look like you, Mr. Chess. That
2: is that is true. Are you the only one? <laughs> you know, I'm not the only one. I don't think there's anyone who has a platform as large as mine who's talking about, you know, breaking generational cycles and healthier patterns of behavior and and how to raise children and teach children in healthier ways than what we've done in the past. But there are other, you know, people out there. One person that I know and is a friend of mine is, you know, his page is DJ Inspires. Parenting. I think he's got like DJ Inspire's parenting, DJ Inspire's all, and he's a black father um, of also young children too. Um, so I am not technically the only one out here, um, but we are in definitely in the minority, and I would say that I'm the only Mister Chaz doing it. <laughs> of course, everyone's got their own kind of, you know, I guess flavor, a style to like communicate information. Um, And I do think that I do it in a way that is unique to me.
0: Mm -hmm. Which is really interesting because one, there aren't a lot of black male teachers to begin with who, you know, are even in this field. And then to hear, you know, about the creator you mentioned, who's a black male father, which I think is really great that he's out there putting out content as well on the the topic. But talk to me about how you got into this role. Like, how did this even become a part of your day-to-day? Yeah. What do you do exactly? (laughs) Let's tell tell the people.
2: (laughs) So before I talk about what I do, let's talk about what I did and how I got here. I, I started off as a Montessori teacher. And quite honestly, when I first started working with children, I did not know What to do. And I was kind of thrown in a classroom with 30 children, ages three to five. And I did not anticipate how challenging it would be. And I made all the common mistakes that people do. Um, You know, I I went in there and when children were having an emotional moment, I tried to solve it with logic, which rarely ever works. You know, I used a, a lot of rewards and tried punishments and. Those have their own set of consequences that, you know, that weren't helpful to children. And also, too, when, you know, you you step into the classroom, you know, you have these like veteran teachers, people who are already there, have been there. In My experience, it was a lot of the people who who had been there for a while, kind of the veteran teachers. That wasn't the person that I wanted to be. And so I started to search. I said, there's got to be another way like this can't be it. Like I didn't expect for it to be like this, but like there's got to be a better way. And that initial like search of like, OK, there's 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 got to be a better way or a different way to do things like that is really what set me on the trajectory that I'm on right now. Uh, and and really, as I talk to other people, because I have my own podcast and I ask other people about their journey, that's usually how it starts. You know, there's that thought of there's got to be a different way. There's got to be a better way. And then the journey really begins there. That's really where the journey begins. I struggled and learned from mentors and trainings and read books and all while applying the information and trying things out and then reflecting on them afterwards and bouncing ideas off of other people and really just going through this like reflective learning process um, and applying things and just kind of reiterating and trying again and trying again and trying again and making mistakes. One thing that I do want to want to communicate to people that mistakes are an essential part of the learning process. Um, Mm -hmm. And I made a lot of them. All the same mistakes that I talk about, you know, I encourage, you know, parents, teachers not to make now. I made them like I know, like I saw how, It it, it impacted the children. I saw the result of that. And so that's where I started as a Montessori teacher. Hmm. Then I kind of gained a reputation of having the like challenging kids, right? The kids who had a hard Mm -hmm. time in Miss Susie's classroom would come down to my classroom and, you know, my director would be like, hey, you uh maybe you should spend some time in Mr. Chaz's class and kind of just drop them <laughs> off. You know, and all meanwhile, like I'm learning and like, I'm not really seeing myself as like, you know, any kind of like guru or anything. I'm just trying to figure things out myself. But in retrospect, yeah. I am, am really grateful for those kids who challenged me because that's where the biggest, the most learning happened. It wasn't with the kids Mm -hmm. that like you tell them to like line up or, you know, put their shoes back on. They listen the first time, like love those kids. They're great. It's great that, you know, they're part of the classroom. I love connecting with them, Mm -hmm. Um, but they're not the ones that really teach you the most. It's the ones who don't Mm -hmm. comply. It's the ones who push back. And so I kind of got a reputation for being able to work with those kids successfully. While I was doing that, teachers started coming up to me and just asking, like, okay, like, Mr. Chaz, I have a kid who's kind of challenging me. What would you do in that situation? Like, what would you do? And I kind of just started Mm -hmm. casually offering advice in the break room. And then they'd come back and they'd be like, mr chaz like that advice changed my day Mm -hmm. it changed his child's day i need more Mm -hmm. and it kind of started these like these conversations that i would have kind of during lunchtime with people who would come but that's also when a light bulb went off for me i love the impact i'm making with my little community of humans but if i'm able to Mm -hmm. kind of share the lessons and what i've learned along my journey with teachers my impact could be exponential so I became an educational specialist, where my role was to be in charge of the education portion of 10 different schools. And so I would travel to different schools and support teachers and directors inside and outside the classroom. And so like, you know, some people would describe what I do as storm chasing. I liked to think of it more as, I don't know if anyone's ever seen Scandal, only a few people will, will get this, but I used to think of it more of like, being the Olivia Pope of classrooms and going in and, and assessing a of situation, course. yeah, assessing a situation, <laughs> you know, fairly fairly quickly and finding oh, how finding out how we can best support the teachers and the children so everyone can be successful. I'd been doing that for for a while until the pandemic happened. Then the parents were home and home all the time, and the kids went home, and the teachers went home. And suddenly there was less work to do with the schools. Um, because there weren't that many children in the schools. The schools were still open and I was still working in the schools, but I saw a big shift of like the need of parents who were challenged with this new experience, this new challenge during the pandemic of being the everything for their child 24-7. Mm-hmm. And I would hear kind of how parents would talk about the the challenges that they were encountering and a lot of the challenges that I had encountered and had to figure out and kind of along my journey. And so I was like, you know what? Like, I really want to help these parents because, like, I remember. Because we need help. (laughs) <laughs> and I remember <laughs> what it felt like to feel like I was like ruining the children. I didn't know what else to do. And like, you know, like it seemed like nothing I would do would get a, a good result. And don't get me wrong. There are some things, there are definitely some successful moments, but I was really trying to figure out like, what about those o- other moments? Um, like I, what's the impact of that? And so I started to create uh, content, started off actually on TikTok. And my thought process was, If I can create, you know, easily digestible videos where you Mm. feel like you have gotten a new tool, your perspective has expanded a little bit after this like one minute video, then I can make a pretty big impact and help a lot of people. Um, Because a lot of things that I talk about are things that I wish I had in the beginning. Um, that I didn't have mm-hmm. to go like so hard searching for and, and, and finding mentors. And, and so I'm just trying to just share that information through social media where it's free. It's accessible. You know, maybe you watch it after like a, a cat video or whatever, you know, you're laughing and then you learn something from me and then you go back to laughing. And so that's what I started to do. And I started to share it on Instagram, on Facebook. And then it turned into a podcast because I want to dive deeper into conversations and deeper mm-hmm. into the nuance. Cause as much as I can, you know, pack into a one minute video um, there's still going to be some nuances. There's still going to be some situations that aren't addressed. Um, and so that's what the podcast was for, for that. And it was also for to introduce people to teachers, to people who can help them on their journey um, so mm-hmm. that you can listen to my podcast and find all these different people who are really 99% of the people who I have on my podcast are sharing content for free. So you can listen to my podcast and you can create a community around you um, to support you in your learning that you can learn from, that you vibe with, that you resonate mm-hmm. with. And so that's kind of where the podcast come from. And that's a little bit why I'm here. And now there's one more thing that's lost even in the podcast, the individualization where Mm. like, even we can talk about a thing even for an hour and talk, but there's always going to be those different situations of just like, you know, I'm, I've, my spouse is in the military. So we're moving a bunch or, you know, I have this, I have a specific trigger that is, is difficult for me or the, the situation, the way that I'm thinking about it. Like sometimes we need that that individualization and that's the best when you can get it individualized for you. And I can kind of like weed through a lot of the stuff that I learned. I'm like, Ooh, this is what you need and give it. And so those are the things I'm doing right now to help the parents, teachers, and honestly, just the leaders of the world.
0: I love it. Super, super rich background. Something you said really stood out to me. And it's when you mentioned that you learned a lot from the quote unquote problem kids or the challenging children. Yeah. That is very often not the perspective that folks have towards the children who might push back, right? It might, growing up, you hard headed. And so talk to me about that actual shift for you like how you know what what led to that mindset of like oh there's actually something I can learn from you as opposed to you being quote unquote the challenge or the problem child you need to be learning from me or you're not listening yeah. well what mm-hmm. talk to me about how that how your perspective was very different or is very different from at least what I've heard a lot of
2: And let me be clear. I was raised with the, uh, you know, the phrase that I always hear in my head that my uh, parents always used to say is a hard head makes a soft behind. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, i heard I, that as well. Yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, that's the way that I was raised. And, and, you know, that's not the entirety of my parents, you know, parenting, but I get it. And I get coming from that, perspective and thinking, you know, seeing things in that way. The shift happened for me um, when I started to, it was really a slow shift. It wasn't really like uh, one big aha moment. For me, it it was a process of me figuring out these different strategies and kind of different ways and understanding children in a different way and really seeing them um, for, you know, what they're trying to communicate and what they're struggling with and the process of actually actually engaging in that process and actually seeing the successes. And then also reflecting mm-hmm. for myself, like, wow, like I got a like new skill and, and I, you know, I take it to like another classroom and it's like, I, I, this is a, a whole new tool that I have in my tool belt now because this mm-hmm. person, you know, this child kind of forced me to figure out a different way. Um mm-hmm. and while it didn't make my day easier, it definitely helped me grow so much more. And it, it is those are the moments when you really reflect and you think about not even take kids out of it, right? You really think about like the the moments in your life that challenge you the most. No, those moments force you to grow. I mean, you either you grow or you crumble or You know, like you don't really have much of a choice and I wasn't going to leave the kids. You know, the other thing is like, I also had like a, a a strong why, you know, now when I Mm -hmm. first started working with kids, it wasn't, I didn't have the strong why it was, it was, it was honestly just, I I just wanted a job to be honest, I'll be real with Um, (laughs) y'all. And and as it, as it developed, uh, as I started to, you know, learn more and spend more time with kids and my perspective of the impact that I was making of growing the next generation of humans. Like you impact one child. You're not just impacting that child, you're impacting everyone that child interacts with, right? You mm-hmm. know, that child, the way that you interact with a child, the compassion that you give them, the empathy that you show them, the the skills that you teach them to uh, you know, speak up and, and say their needs, like that child, yeah, they may be successful in my classroom, but they take those skills and especially young children, these are the most formative years where their their personality is developing. That person ends up, you know, maybe 10 years later, or, you know, in high school and they're faced, someone's bullying, you know, they're, they're bullying the kid who doesn't have a lot of friends. And that person has a choice and they can choose to walk away or they can choose to use their bystander power and say something and be like, Hey, that's not cool, man. Even if it's just like, Hey, that's not cool, man. You know, I, gotta, I think a lot of times in like movies, something's like gotta be this old big speech with music in the background. Like sometimes, a, Hey man, that's not cool. Like it's like, what did he, what did he do to you? Like let's, let's find something else. Sometimes that's all, that's all you need to diffuse the situation. But like that moment, that child to be able to do that, to have the confidence to feel like they can speak up against someone they, who they may see see as an authority or someone who has more power than them, that is not only impacting them, but it's impacting the person that they are, you know, you know, helping or the person that they're standing up for, right? And then how, and then now in real life, when they see injustices happen in their neighborhood or on their TV screen, like do they speak up or is it like, uh, it's not my problem. Or do they join the like, yeah, you know what? They deserved it. Like, you know, and that is impo- one more example of like the way that I think of just the impact they have on children, like that friend who is, you know, going through a hard time at home or they, they've got depression or whatever it is and they're looking for someone to lean on. And we can kind of, Model and show like the skills of being empathetic and listening and validating and really hearing mm-hmm. children out. They will, they will have that skill so much more mastered by the time they are a teenager and they need to use it to help their friend through a really rough time. Um, and that could save a life. Um, and so that was really what my ro- why was rooted in Um, in growing Mm. the next generation of humans. And so even through the hard times, I was like, you know what? Like, this is hard for me, um, but it's worth it.
1: Mm. That deeply connects with, I think, the the why of a parent. And I think sometimes Mm. you sort of see it so deeply because, uh, you know, depending on your family situation, you know, your kid may favor you um, or mm-hmm. you know, or you know, reflect or look like someone in your family, or you just connect to their humanity, and you start to see, you know, sometimes you see yourself, but then other times you sort of get to this place, this insight, which is you start to see the the proliferation um, of of moments, of scenarios uh, of of if if they get it right, if they sort of get empathy, if they are able to connect in a certain way, it's going to impact, it's going to have a tear to waterfall effect, um, across their lives. Um, and, um, and so, and that's the beautiful part. The the challenging part as a parent is that you feel that, that, that almost, you know, if you're doing it by yourself, it can feel like a weight. Um, and so what I love about your work, Mr. Chaz, is that you went from sort of this waterfall effect with kids to then different, you know, sort of different, um, end audience customer, uh, but at the parent level, you're also having that, um, that sort of wide, uh, distributed impact. Um, it's almost like teach the teacher, uh, as they say, you're essentially by helping parents, you're now impacting kids, um, that are also impacting their sphere of influence. So, so yeah. love, love that you got to that. Why? Um, yeah. because that is, um, I think it's, it's, it's sort of core, not just to being sort of a parent, but also core to being a human.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned like getting it right. And I want to kind of address that. And this is going to be the most important thing. I'm going to get close to the microphone right now because this is going to be the most important thing I say <laughs> in this whole conversation. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. now I'm going to talk about a lot, but but remember this, if you remember nothing else, that it is a journey. Right, there is no destination of of like perfect parenting or parenting in general. It is continuous. Your parenting didn't start with you, and it will not end with you. And it's not mm. about being perfect. Mm. It's it's just about improving a little every day, right? And sometimes we get you know bogged down into perfection and like I got to get everything right. I got to say the exact right thing. If I don't say the right thing, that's going to ruin them for the rest of the, and and that you know, that can hold us back from the growth that needs to happen. So what I say is Mm. avoid being a perfectionist, be an improvementist. The goal isn't Mm. to be perfect every day. The goal is to improve a little every day.
1: That's life.
0: Yeah, I love that. And to me, one of my personal reflections as a parent is that, A lot of what I kind of went into as a parent was like, "Oh, I got to figure out what to teach my son and how to teach him how to be be a good human." But what I feel like you're saying, and even when you talk about the quote unquote challenge or problem kids, um, is that for even the adult or yeah, the adult to have that perspective of improving and growth is really important. And that's one of the things that i've I've learned a lot as a mom is that. My son is actually teaching me a whole lot about myself and about life, even though he's only he's not even three yet. Mm -hmm. That perspective has shifted a lot for me in terms of how, you know, grow my patience, how I speak to him, the level of compassion I show him when he's when he might be pushing back, et cetera. Um, And just like me even reflecting on my own my own responses or triggers that might come up in those moments. I'm like going back to my therapist. I'm like, okay, this happened. What does this mean? <laughs> and I know there's, I know that there's something that I'm supposed to get out of this. So what is it? And so I, I love that perspective. Um, in that it's, it's a, it's a continuous growing relationship of growth between you, the child,
2: and you know, our our parents never did this right, like. There was always the thing of like the parents trying to appear perfect, infallible, never making mistake. Like, how often did your parents really apologize to you? And I, I will tell you that <laughs> very little, if if ever at all. Right. And they probably felt like, oh, if I apologize and They're going to see me as Mm. imperfect and they may not listen to me or, you know, whatever the case that might Mm. be losing some of my giving away some of my power. But the most powerful thing that you can teach children is the process of making mistakes. How do we make mistakes and learn Mm. from them and reflect and bounce back from them? How do we, you know, uh, uh, take accountability for our actions when we mess up? Because I promise you they will mess up. They are going to make mistakes, as you will too. It is a part of the learning process and no one is learning more than children. right? They have so much to learn. So we know they're going to make mistakes instead of getting so mad when they make mistakes and us appearing like we don't make mistakes. We can show them that we all make mistakes and and show them how we actually, when we do make a mistake, okay, so what do we do when we do make a mistake? You know, how do we apologize? Mm-hmm. What does an apology look like? What does a genuine apology look like? You know, how do we repair mm-hmm. the the relationship? How do we repair whatever happened? Right? These are how do we have the conversation with someone that we're, you know, in conflict with? How do we talk about our own emotions? How do we come up with a plan of what to do next time we feel we feel overwhelmed or whatever mm-hmm. it is that happened? Um that is way more powerful than appearing perfect. And the other result, the other like problem with that is that parents always try to appear perfect. Like they never make mistakes and that's what we're projecting and showing the message that we're conveying to children. Then when they make a mistake, then it's like it, the weight is so much greater because they don't feel like they can come back from it. And so like they mm. got to dig their heels in it even more and, or, or lie or whatever it is, because we have given them the message that mistakes aren't okay, that mistakes aren't normal when clearly they are, you know, and they get a little older and they start noticing like, Hey, you make mistakes too. And then we don't like that. And we, sometimes we dig our heels in even more, you know, sometimes, and some people, you know, take that time, they reflect and like, okay, you know what, maybe I am going to change the way I approach things. And, you know uh, but we can do that from very early on. Um, And children Mm -hmm. give us lots of opportunities to uh, make mistakes and to show them how to uh, uh, repair and recover and take accountability for mistakes.
0: How do the methods you teach and share now reflect how you were parented?
2: Okay, so they're very different. It's a whole different... It's a whole different way of thinking, honestly. So, like, I don't even... I can give you like some strategies and some things to do. I can even give you some scripts to say, and that's all good. And that might get you to a certain point, but it's really a whole different way of thinking because it's the way most of us are, you know, have been parented, uh, very focused on punishments and maybe rewards, punishments and rewards. And it's kind of based off of this idea that if I can just, if I can make them feel bad enough or make them feel good enough, then they'll meet my expectations and they'll please me. You know, they'll, they want to please me so much. So they'll, you know, do, or they want to avoid the punishment so much, or they want to, you know, go towards the pleasure, the, the reward so much that they'll meet my expectations. And there's kind of a lot of problems with that. One thing is everything is predicated on, the approval of the adult. And so it's whatever the adult is, says is valuable, says you should be doing. And at some point you become the adult and then you don't have that internal, you know, you don't have that internal process of listening to yourself and knowing what's right for you and kind of in in decision-making. And, Mm. you know, a, a lot of people, you know, they'll, you know, trying to please their parents, please their parents, whatever, just do whatever the external people are telling them to do. Sometimes not parents, sometimes it's teachers, like whatever the authority figure is telling them to do. And they do it and they do it at the expense of not listening to themselves about what, you know, is important to them, or what they care about. There's not even a conversation, right? And so what do we, we go through the uh, all the hoops and, you know, whether it's like, okay, I'm going to Uh, I'm going to college just because everyone said to go to college and rack up a bunch of debt. I'm going to go and do this major because someone said I should do this major. And, you know, maybe it makes a lot of money and I want that reward. So like, uh, I'm going to go ahead and do it. And sometimes people will go through their whole lives or half their lives. And then what ends up happening is there's like usually a big event, like a death, uh, a pandemic that, causes people to pause and start doing some reflection about, okay, well, what do I want? Man, I've been going mm. through life this whole time. I didn't even ask myself, like, what do I care about? What do I want? What's important to me? I've just been going through the motions. And then we'll call that like a midlife crisis or quarterlife crisis, depending when we actually have that realization. But earlier on, so much earlier on, from the time children are young, even you know you're two and three, we can start building this, this, this connection, this internal process to their feelings and their emotions, which it's their that and their internal GPS system, right? Um, we can connect them to their feelings as opposed to what a lot of times punishments we disconnect that we don't even have the conversation. It's just if I, you know, do don't do this or else, or do this or else. Um, and that doesn't build the the skills, the intrinsic motivation we really need to navigate life in a way that we feel fulfilled and satisfied and 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 feel healthy too because that's one that's one, you know, I'm, I'm talking about like, you know, jobs and school of like uh, of disconnecting the impact of disconnecting from your emotions but also too like if you don't you know, we've been taught to push down our emotions so much, you know, it also happens in our relationships, right? Someone, you know, your partner triggers you or they do something you don't like. Maybe they don't load the dishwasher or they don't put something up or they don't, you know, whatever it is that triggered you. And then, you know, since we've been taught to kind of push down our emotions, you know, though I was like, hey, is there something wrong? something something going on? I noticed something a little different. And then my, most of us, like, no, I'm fine. No, I'm fine. No, it's nothing. No problem. And we just push it down and push it down, push it down until we eventually explode. And not only in our relationships, this also happens in our, in, in the workplace too, uh, where we just kind of push it down and push it instead of having the conversation and also to like Sometimes like I don't even know how to have the conversation, like because I n- never was able to, you know, talk back to authority figures mm. to respond whenever an authority figure said something that I disagreed with. It was always uh, if I did, I was met with a punishment. So now I'm just gonna shut up and deal with it and just hold it all in and shove down all my emotions. And just because you shove down your emotions doesn't mean they go away. And we're learning more and more about how that actually impacts your health, your immune system. So this isn't just like you know the job you're getting. Like this is taking. We don't connect to our emotions. We're not able to express them in a healthy way. It can take time off of our life, Mr. Chas. Can we take this?
1: Can we take this moment to literally for me to call my mama and tell (laughs) her I should have (laughs) been. I should have been talking back the whole time. And I, I, had, <laughs> moments, <laughs> I had moments where I did it because I was trying to express myself. But my dad was a Marine. And and that brother was was not for the, you know, shout out to the camouflage wears. You know, that brother was not for the talk back. But but how you know that could actually have been healthy for me. So we don't have to do it now. But I'm I'm gonna call my mama today and tell her mama, I should have been telling you more about what was on my mind.
2: <laughs> and it's about how you do it, right? Cause right. The, the oh goal. right. You saw my eyes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the goal You're like I want you to live, Brian. I don't yeah. want you to live. <laughs> See, and this is where we can dive into the nuance a little bit more, right? Like, it's yeah. it's it's the goal is to teach them how to respond to authority, how mm. to advocate for themselves, how mm. to advocate for others, right? And if we're never giving them an opportunity to do that because we're triggered whenever there's you know they talk back or they respond or they don't just automatically agree, we don't know how to deal with our emotions, so we lash out or we, you know, then there's never an opportunity for them to practice those skills. Right. And you can mm. get like, mm. you know, there's there's definitely, you know, whole opportunities to whole boundaries. Like, you know, I'm not going to let you talk to me that way. Um, there's a way if I it sounds like you want more screen time. You know, if you want more screen time, this is how you ask. Right. Or this is how you would say that. Or, you know, and depending on you know their age and you know their development. You can really get it. You know, especially as they get older, you know, talk about like let's let's go with the screen time thing because that's a thing that probably a lot of kids would probably try to advocate for, right? Like I want more screen time mm-hmm. during bed. You know, at, you know, around bedtime, I want screen time before I go to sleep. And you might have a concern of you know, like, okay, like I, you know, the research behind it, I know that impacts your sleep, and I don't even like you on the tablet, anyways. So you getting more like. I'm not so sure about that, but I, you know, I respect your ability to like advocate and to one and to express yourself. Let's put together a proposal about why you, you know, want screen time and, and present it to me. And then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll think about it or let's do an experiment and let's see, you know, we'll, I'll let you do screen time for this week or two or this month, whatever it is, and we're going to track and log your sleep and see if it impacts, you know, your Mm -hmm. ability to wake up or when you're going to sleep. And then we'll come back and we'll have the conversation again. Right. It's not a, it's not a automatic. Yes. Right. Just because they're, you know, responding back to their advocating for themselves doesn't mean that you have to say yes. It's is about hearing them out and letting them know that mm-hmm. their voices matter. Um, and we will hear you, even if we don't agree or necessarily let you do the thing. But we will listen to you. We will hear you out. Wow. Two sort
1: of quick takeaways. I mean, one is that screens are a drug. And at some point, we need to come back and talk about screens. Yeah, yeah mr chaz because it's <laughs> I, I mean
2: <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. A, it's
1: a whole a whole thing I number agree. 2 is when you said how what came up for me was maybe that is the way that we're breaking generational cycles in my mind when i you know you talk about generational cycles a lot my coming into the conversation i was thinking that breaking generation cycles are like these really big things that mm-hmm. are like it happens With sort of orchestra and the background, and (laughs) you know, it's like like church. I grew up in church, right? So it's like it's it's a whole you know theatrical cinematic theatrics. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it's it's wild. Um, but the way you said it, it was like it's actually just learning how to advocate and sort of the the Mm -hmm. language to use and the the you know sort of leveraging your emotion and the conversation that you you sort of might have with with your kids. Um. And those shifts, these tweaks can make all the difference. And it it makes me actually think a lot about sort of my study of systems change, Mm -hmm. where oftentimes if you're Mm -hmm. trying to change a system, obviously, you know, there's a world where you create new systems. But there's also this world where if you're trying to interrupt or disrupt a, a, a system, you find interjection points. So you find really high impact moments and then it's like these small things and you sort of, you test them, you experiment with them. And that's like, you know, hopefully someone can get that from this conversation is that they're, you know, they're, you know, if you zoom out or if you're a parent and you're concerned or worried in some way, you know, I know I've had those days is that it can feel insurmountable. It can feel Mm -hmm. like, you know, not only alone, but it can also feel like the problem is so large. Um, But sort of key things like that um, of learning how to talk about things or just even make certain things a conversation is actually makes a massive, massive difference.
2: Yeah. And I want to like actually, you know, talk about the generational thing a little bit more. And I talked about a little bit with the, you know, avoid being a perfectionist, being a provenist. But I also Mm want to put this analogy out there for people to, you know, and, and maybe this might feel hopefully feel a little bit of a weight off of your shoulder when we do, mm. when I, when I talk about this. So think about iPhones, right. Um, you know, what I'm talking about is, you know, it's like a new technology. It's based, a lot of it is based off of brain science, but it's, it's also based off of just learning and understanding that we've, you know, kind of we've come to in the past, you know, few decades, um, collectively have come to and, You know, sometimes the new technology, you might find yourself like, okay, I grew up like I was I was beat. I was even spanked. I was beat. And now I'm trying to do this whole like gentle, conscious, whatever, respectful parenting thing. And like this seems like such a huge (laughs) shift. Right. And you might that is that is a huge shift. And you might be that uh, uh, starting this is like you're like the first iPhone right you're the first mm. iphone and that's powerful congratulations pat yourself on the back it's something huge to be proud of to even start to even start thinking about it in this way to even start going through a reflective process of like how you can grow and and be better like that is huge in itself right and and especially if you grew up with you know you were raised by a family of pagers, right? Right. And some people, some some people it's cold out here, bro. <laughs> <More is cold. laughs> <laughs> right. 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 That's a huge, that's a huge leap. Right. And some people were raised by blackberries and it's still a huge leap and still pat yourself on the back, but also know that in, that your children are going to build off of what, of your growth, right? There's going to be an iPhone two, an iPhone three, an iPhone four. That's going to build off of the previous generation. So you're going to keep on going. So you don't have to break every single like cycle in one generation. That is insurmountable to do. It's it's a journey. Again, there is no mountaintop. There is no, and and I think a lot of times when people think about. Uh, generational cycles. They might be thinking about like a drug addiction or yeah. domestic violence or something kind of like that. And yeah, those, those are you know those are generational cycles. But it's also the smaller kind of like the more innocuous, like harder to see uh, patterns of behavior. When I say generational cycles, I'm really just talking about patterns of behavior, right? Mm. And, just be, and just being just mm-hmm. being reflective on the unhealthy patterns of behavior that we grew up with and, you know, improving and and doing Mm -hmm. something different and so it's just changing it's really just about changing patterns of behavior but for us to change our behavior we got to change our mindset we got to change our tools because it's not enough to just be like Mm -hmm. don't do that right or like stop spanking or like stop yelling like you also need a set of tools of what to do differently um or else you're gonna be like oh you're not there's gonna be a void you're always gonna go back to the default and especially whenever we're stressed out or we're in survival mode ourselves, we're going to be more likely to just go back to our default. Um, and Can so we talk that,
1: through some of those actually? Like just to, you know, because you you're actually hit on exactly what we want to talk about next, which is sort of the very sort of practical behavior yeah. patterns, things that, you know, to be honest with you, that me and Amy could do too differently. Can you actually talk to us about you know, maybe examples of gotcha. you know, how we could listen, discipline, you know, even do quality time eventually. Like, how do we do these yeah. things differently?
2: <clears> okay,
0: <throat> The from to journey.
2: Yes. So I'm going to give you guys a couple of really practical yeah. things to do. Right. So a lot of times we will try to like uh, a guide or punish whatever before we really see children. And the problem with that is that we if we try to guide before we see um, it's like trying to just guide in the dark, right? We're just trying to like, we're reaching out, but we're not really connecting and we're getting mad because we're not really connecting. But when we really see them first, then we're able to reach out to and actually connect with them and actually, and actually see them to connect with them. And the double thing that happens here is that when someone feels seen, they're way more willing to be guided mm-hmm. by you. So here's like the mm-hmm. script or whatever that you can, that, that, that's attached to that, right? Cause a lot of times, let's say they, are uh, they're they're jumping on the, they're jumping on the couch, as a the thing. They're jumping on the couch. You don't want them to jump on the couch, right? So first, see them first. Like ah, you have a lot of energy and you want to like jump and you want to play, and <laughs> acknowledging them, and their wants and what they're trying to do first, and then and then giving them a solution. Okay, next time you want to jump on the couch, or, or next time you want to you know use you know your energy and run around, go to this area or let's have a dance party or let's go to the playroom mm. or let's put the cushion on the floor and let's play the floor is lava. And part of the reason why you're, the punishment the threats don't work there, right? They'll, they'll be jumping on the couch and then you'll be like, you better sit down and then we'll do it. And the back up, they're jumping on the couch again because they <laughs> have this <laughs> internal need for physical activity, especially young children, right? And so when we say stop jumping on the couch or else whatever then they have to choose to either listen to their body right or mm. listen to their parents who they love and they really do want to please and want to listen to but you know that's a huge conflict um that's a hard mm. position to put children in and often they listen to their body and 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 sometimes they don't listen to their body and we we win Right. But at the end, we really lose because we're disconnecting them from how they feel. Next time mm-hmm. when they are you know, they feel energetic, they won't know what else to do. We have not given them any tools on like what to do with it. Mm-hmm. So it's like you want it next time is like this script. Right. And I always say with scripts like here's a script. Don't use it because like really in the script, you the, the script can be helpful for like your first try, your first learning. Right. And especially you're in survival mode, you know, it's difficult. And another big mindset shift here is that children do, you know, well when they can, you know, and really it's everyone's trying their best with the resources, with the knowledge, with the skills and tools they have access to at the moment. Right. And so and that's for children, but it's also for parents, too. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you yell and sometimes you don't. And, it's, you know, that doesn't mean that in one moment you were trying and one moment you weren't like you maybe have been a little bit overwhelmed or a you know, multitude of reasons. But even just coming at it from that perspective, that is such a huge mindset shift in itself, because then we're in a better position to like actually when we see them with positive intent, we're in a better position to help them. You know, when we see the good in them, um, it, it bring it tends to bring out the best in them. That you want it next time is one of those practical things. That you can do, you know, as I was talking before, it helps them connect with what they're feeling. And, you know, the other, you know, other part of this idea is that like you want them to acknowledge where they're struggling and to know where they're struggling, what emotions are coming up with, uh, for them and how to handle it, right? Understand how to, you know, what their needs are and how to meet their needs in a healthy way right understand where their missing skills are and teach them those missing skills and that's a process it's not going to be just in one day or one conversation it is ongoing like i said it is a journey your parenting did not you know start with you it will not end with you you know you are raising your children's children and yes there'll be an impact but it's 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 you are just a, a part of a long journey so don't feel you know, if you don't get it right in one moment or you mess up, like there's always an opportunity to continue to put one to continue the journey and put one step forward. Maybe you do blow up and you you, you yell or you hit or you, you do whatever you, you do that you regret. That's also an opportunity to apologize. What a great lesson. Right. And one kind of practical thing I would say here about apologies is. Uh, One, uh, avoid, I say, keep your butts in your pants because when you're like, oh, I'm sorry for yelling at you, but you should just listen the first time. Mm. That's invalidating. That's not taking accountability for what you did. Um, And and we're not teaching them about a genuine apology. And two, another thing that's really can be really hard for us is the forced apologies because a forced apology isn't a genuine apology. Who wants a forced apology? And when we're constantly like, say you're, sorry, say you're sorry, say you're sorry, say you're sorry, say you're sorry for everything, then you know, the child doesn't ever have an opportunity to actually like, am I sorry? How am I actually feeling about this? And then, you know, and eventually a lot of times what it becomes is like, they'll hate, but like, sorry. <laughs> They're saying sorry before they even because it, it becomes a get out of jail free card, right? <laughs> you're not really going through the process of repairing the relationship. And all right, okay, so what are we going to do next time uh, someone takes your toy? You know, what are you going to say? What are you going to do? You know, are you going gonna to tell them to give you the toy bag? You're going to, you know, go get a, a parent or a teacher, an adult to help you hold your boundary, you know? What are we going to do next time? So that's like two kind of practical Mm -hmm. things that we can do.
0: I love all of that. And I feel like there's so much I want to like dig into, particularly as it relates to that, because, you know, a lot of what you mentioned is that a child is, a lot of the things that we try to get children to stop doing or yet you know, to stop doing is things that they innately kind of need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so finding ways to redirect them, I think we could have a whole podcast and sermon just on that
2: in and of itself. Oh man. Can I, can I, can I do like two minutes? I'm, I'm, I'm going to be short. with this. Yeah. Cause yeah. Like tell children what to do instead of what not to do. And also like really seeing their, you know, their needs. And even like the, when it comes to emotions, like children, you know, sometimes will hit or they're, you know, stomp their feet or whatever, like that emotion is in their body and they naturally like want to get it out and it's good for them to get it out, but they don't necessarily know like the healthiest ways to get it out. And they, they'll probably go to their survival skills, fight, flight, freeze, fawn. Like that's, you know, often what they do when they're mm-hmm. like cornered or they're just kind of in survival mode. They're in that survival state. Um, And so finding ways, like, how can we get that emotion out in a better way? And even simply just expressing how you feel. I feel mad because you won't let me go outside. Like, that's great. Now, in the old days, we were like, oh, don't yell at me and we'll like, you know, tell police, please. hey, you're saying that now you were hitting before when you were upset and now you're like expressing how you feel. Like, that's Mm -hmm. great. We'll work on the tone later and how to communicate in more effective ways. You might not be ready for that yet at three, but we'll get there, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Um, You know, there'll be more opportunities to talk about how to advocate for yourself and hold boundaries. I promise children will give you those opportunities.
0: Mm -hmm. I love it. Before we go, um, we can't, Be on a podcast about priorities and not talk about time. Oh, yeah. Um, And the fact that there's so many different things uh, that are pulling at a lot of parents' time. This was in one of our very first episodes. I mentioned this to Brian. I was like, I actually feel a lot of parent guilt about. Not spending as much time with my son or not knowing how much time to spend with him, given that I do find so much joy in the work that I do mm-hmm. and that there are other other things that are pulling at my time. Oh man! You know, the example that I saw was that, you know, my mother couldn't spend as much time with me because she had to work yeah. single mom. I'm not in that position. And so talk to me a little bit about, you know, different ways that we can think about how to prioritize time with our children, what that actually should look like, quality time versus quantity of time. Yeah. Um, and what, that, what does that look like, particularly in the scheme of, in the context of also making sure that you have time for yourself?
2: The first thing is, I got to say, is that 5% of your uh, focus of the time um, is not as good as 5% of your time with 100% of your focus. So just Hmm. with the time that you are spending, you know, it doesn't have to be all day. You don't have to play with your kids all day or anything like that. I actually would recommend that you don't play with the kids all day because kids do need, you know, it's good for them to be bored. It's good for them to do independent play time and to make space for that. Now, I, the what I suggest to do is to schedule schedule it all out, schedule out the independent time, mm-hmm. schedule out the time that where you're working and communicate that as best as possible. You can even talk about it as, as like a story about like what's happening like day to day. I recommend using visuals, too, because children are really visual and that really helps them process what's going on and like what's happening and kind of hold that like idea in their head a little bit if they actually see a picture as opposed to us just talking to them about it, because it's just, you know, it's the way that their brain works. And really as humans in general, we're very visual creatures in general, but especially children rely on those visuals a lot. Um, And, you know, there are going to be times like where you are going to be pulled in one direction or another direction and things aren't going to be perfect, but you don't, you know, the big things I would say is the time that you do spend with your children, like just really, really focus in and really connect and really reflect and hear and observe and be curious, like really genuinely try to get in that mode during those times. Schedule time for you to, uh, uh, for you to work, schedule time for them to do independent play and schedule time for you to just take time to yourself. And if you have a partner that's, it's, it's great because you can, um, you know, you guys can work together and kind of figure out what works best for your schedules. Um, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a single parent, it's can be a little bit harder, but relish those. Like if you do have a switch weeks, like relish to have that week where you are uh, that weekend or the day or whatever, where, uh, it is, uh, where you're alone and, and, and really think about what actually recharges you. Like think about like those self care moments, those thirty minutes or whatever, and then check in with yourself afterwards. Like, do you how how you feel? And I really recommend like you know things like like going on walks, the deep breaths, um, you know, uh, any kind of like exercise can be regular. Like, let's say like you're really frustrated, overwhelmed. Like, go on a walk, drink some water. Take some deep breaths. Maybe listen to a podcast or, or whatever. Um, everyone kind of does it. You know, it's got to be unique to you. And that's where that internal compass comes in. I was talking about earlier. Um, you know, really connect with that and see, like, what recharges you. Try your best to schedule things. And when things don't happen, you know, you it's an ongoing conversation that you can have with them. Um, yeah. Um, but one last thing. I just want to highlight, like, tell the story, like tell the story about like, let's say you're going through your day um, and, you know, they're going to be, you know, you're going to be working and they're going to be doing something else. Talk about that before the moment happens. And like, okay, so what are you going to do during your independent play time? And I'm doing my independent play time, my adult independent play. Like, what are you going to do? Like, okay, yeah, you can choose that. And that those are some good choices. And also, big thing. I would also really highly recommend. Can't believe I didn't I almost left without saying. Get a visual timer too. And, and when I say visual timer, like my favorite one, and it's linked in my like uh, Instagram, TikTok, my Linktree bios on my social media, because it's something that I it's really helpful. Um, visual timer, it shows time with color, um, not just with numbers, because especially young children, they can't process that. And it's really hard for them to, and really us adults, we say five minutes for everything. Five minutes is sometimes 10 minutes, sometimes 15 minutes, sometimes whenever they remind us. So like already children have a hard time grasping the concept of time and we don't make it any better as adults. So use those visual timers, and that can be really helpful for those times where you need to. Okay, yeah, this use the visual timer. When it goes off, then you can come get me, and your independent play time is over, and we'll connect and do whatever whatever we're gonna do. Um, so that's what I would say um, on that. Those are kind of my tips,
1: Mr. Chaz. I'm seeing all the colors right now. Uh, I'm seeing. <laughs> I'm seeing blue. I'm seeing purple. I'm seeing you know gratitude. Brother, because yeah. we're, we're at time. I know you got to run because yeah. you got a festival. You're 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 about to do whatever the thing is that comes after Coachella. You're about to actually do a parent <laughs> festival. You and little Uzi Vert, um, but anyway, can I? Just, I'm gonna say quickly. <laughs> thank you. Um, this has been revelatory for me. Um, I appreciate this just as personal uh, learning and growth. Um, and I, you know, my prayer is that we can become friends, stay in touch, and just support you and all that you're doing. Can you just tell us quickly where folks can find you, yeah. where they can go to support you, yeah. um, and then l- last word from you, Amy.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and even a little bit on LinkedIn. It's Mr. Chaz, M-R-C-H-A-Z-Z. Um, it's sometimes Mr. Chaz, Mr. Chaz, or Mr. Chaz, but look it up. I'm the one with the megaphone screaming out the message. Um, and you can also find my podcast, Mr. Chaz's Leadership, Parenting, and Teaching Podcast on all podcasting platforms. And then if you also want one-on-one individual, like individualized coaching I talked about earlier, you can sign up through the patreon there's different tier levels for you know different things and you can just message me if you have more questions about that and i will get you set up
0: thank you again for being here and for honoring us with your time this podcast is created by with wellness hosted by amy and brian Lattimore, produced by joseph ayani music and graphics will be linked in the comments and show notes before we part ways we offer you a moment of peace take these next 60 seconds to simply breathe